Hey, Eric. Good morning, Deefen Baker. <laughs> How have you been doing? Not too bad. When was the last time we chatted? Um, wow, probably at any length at the uh, 20th. That was good times, hey? Yeah, that was really well done. Catch us up on what's been going on. Sort of more of the same of what I was doing uh, somewhat before. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know kind of how my life took a big uh, turn in 2013. Oh, no. Up to that point, I was uh, I was working in uh, the uh, uh, sort of IT and accounting uh, consulting industry, doing software installs for um, well, like mid-market sort of you know million-dollar company to ten billion-dollar company size accounting systems. Um, you know, living in airports and um, hotels, <laughs> jet-setting around the country and stuff like that, and into the states a bit too. That's like my dream to live in an airport and to live in hotels. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's good when you're single. I think it's 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 less fun when you're got kids growing up at home without you. Oh, yeah, that too. But <laughs> yeah. I, I just love it. I love hotels and I love airports, yeah. but a hotel yeah. airport is great. It, it was good for, for the time I was doing it. Um, yeah. It was about seven years I was I was doing that. Prior to that, I'd actually been an end user of the same software, which is sort of how I crossed over to the dark side there. Oh, geez. To be actually selling and supporting the systems and architecting them and that sort of stuff. Wow. This is, you're way smarter than I am. <laughs> so all this stuff is like, what? <laughs> but, um, but then, yeah, in 2013, uh, October of that year, I had a, a crazy bad motorcycle accident. Oh boy. Um, ended up in, uh, ICU for, uh, like two weeks and then was finally transferred down to trauma, uh, for another 50 some days. Um, went through like 20 surgeries. Um, Busted up every organ in me. I had thirty-seven bone fractures, uh, two in my back. So yeah, it was it was pretty bad at the time. They they told my wife that I had like a one percent chance to live through the first night. One percent. Uh, yeah, yeah. You were out of it. Like they didn't tell you that, right? They would never tell no, you. No, yeah. Right? Like I actually died on the operating table. My heart stopped for four minutes. And what? Yeah. So what? Yeah. So what were you going? Do you remember any of that? Like, was there like um, light or what? Like, what was it? No, no. That 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 portion was was completely, um, you know, just like being asleep, no memory of anything. Um, I mean, I, I do remember the crash itself. Um, I was on a bike ride out to Canmore and back with a friend from work, mm-hmm. and um, I missed a corner, and uh, clipped one of those white and black. Um, you know, markers that are at the side of the road with my bike, um, which, you know, sent me off the road completely. And then I went through a four by six inch uh, wood post with one of those chevrons, the yellow and black arrows on the top with my chest. Whoa. How fast were you going? Um, highway speed. So around a hundred. You must have flown off your bike and then went through all that. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember twisting through the air with the post, um, which was pretty surreal. I actually tore the, the signpost right out of the ground, uh, apparently, and uh, uh, eventually came to a stop. My bike ended up 200 yards past me uh, through some trees. Um, this all happened right near Exshaw on our way back to Calgary. Have you been back since? Yeah, I've been back past the site one time. Oh, okay. Uh, it, like, did that just bring a flood of memories, or was it still? Not really. No, I, you know, I kind of, I kind of knew roughly where I was, but it just looks like any sort of corner on the road. It's nothing special about it other than just where it happened.
So yeah, no, no, no crazy PTSD or anything. Fortunately, now but, uh, are you still writing now after all that? No, 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 uh-huh. no, <laughs> no. I I completely destroyed the bike, um, and had no aspirations of buying another one. Wow. Um, I mean, I'm just about completely destroyed myself at the time too. Jeez. So um, yeah, like crushed my chest. Uh, Thirty-seven of the fractures or I had were. Um, ribs. And you only have like 22 ribs, so several of them I'd broken more than one place, had these filial sections that were not really attached to anything and um, you know, ended up having you know, multiple reconstructive surgeries to put the inside of me back together and, and that, but I can walk and you know, no paralysis, uh, no head injury, which is probably the best part of the whole thing. So upstairs, I'm still me. <laughs> but Greg, like when I saw you at the 20th anniversary you you seem fine yeah 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 i i mean i i, I tire quickly um yeah. like i don't have the endurance i used to have um but yeah i can i can have an evening out i don't think anybody in the class has the endurance that we had back <laughs> no that's true that's true that's true wow yeah so um yeah like like i said like 20 surgeries later um i uh i don't work anymore like i used to um, still keep my fingers in the odd little thing, but uh, my wife's actually the, the sort of the primary breadwinner of the family now. She went back to university, got her teaching degree, uh, which she'd always sort of wanted to do, and it was a great opportunity to sort of hand the baton off to her. You have how many kids? Four? Four. Yeah. yeah. So that's work in itself right there. Oh, oh absolutely. absolutely. So, <laughs> yeah. So I'm a, I'm a, you know, a full-time, a full-time dad. Jeez. Definitely. Do you miss work or...? Um, parts of it. Yeah. I mean, uh, there was, there was great camaraderie with the people I worked with and we had some really great customers who, you know, when you're working, you know, deep in a company for six months or something, doing an implementation, you, you get to know some people, you know, really well. And, um, fortunately some of them have stayed friends to this day. I've still got one uh, guy who used to work for me. We were in this weird kind of way the company was run. We were both each other's bosses. Um, he was the Calgary district manager and I worked in the Calgary district, but I was the uh, ERP um, product line manager. And so he actually worked in my product line and I worked in his division. So like I said, we were technically each other's bosses, but wow. it was good. But anyway, long story short, we still get together like every Friday for lunch. Oh, what a turn of events. Yeah. yeah. So, so lately what am I doing? Well, sort of more the same. Yeah. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm as recovered as I'm ever going to be. Um, feel pretty good. Um, still on a small cocktail of drugs every day, just oh, for geez. chronic pain and things like that. But, but uh, that that year of recovery must have been the worst. Uh, uh, the- yeah, the 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 first two years were were the hardest. Yeah, definitely. Uh, since then, it's been pretty pretty stable. Yeah. Um, but I was still going in and out of surgery, and so I would be just recovered enough to have the next one, sort mm-hmm. of thing, for the first two years there. Isn't it amazing though the human body could? Um, oh yeah, yeah. It's just it's just yeah. like what you went through. You must appreciate just every single bone in your body and just yeah, like <laughs> organ and everything and just how the body works, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, definitely. And you know, huge, huge kudos to the you know the staff at the various hospitals I've been through and stuff too. Like I had so few experiences that they were negligible in comparison to all the good stories so i'm glad you're not writing anymore 
No, no, no. I, uh, I don't have enough parts left to do that again. Yeah. But at the same time, I wouldn't blame you if you wanted to get back on that bike because I, I think... Oh, yeah. yeah. It, was still, it was still an amazing way to clear your head. And, and you know, I, I, love, I love riding. It's, you know, it's the same sensation kind of as, you know, going really fast on the ski hill and things like yeah. that that I also used to do. But, yeah. um, you know, but the at same the same time, uh, yeah, I don't, don't desire to attempt fate again you must see some bad drivers out there on a bike and vice versa right yeah <laughs> you do yeah you see you see people on bikes and you're like oh my god how are you still alive doing what you're doing yeah like the crazy thing about my accident is we were not doing anything other than just going for a ride on a saturday afternoon you know it's like out to canmore have lunch at a and w yeah you know yeah. talk for an hour and then head back in it was like the last nice day of the year and Wow. Yep. You, you, you get a little too far to the right on the corner, get in some gravel, clip one of those stupid posts, and, you know, everything's out of your hands at that point. Jeez. I can't believe but, you died for four minutes. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's amazing that you just came back alive. Yeah, they uh, yeah they did uh, CPR for, like, 35 minutes or something like that and kept uh, kept my heart moving that way and then did what they did. Uh they uh, they told me after that the the cardiac arrest was due to blood loss. I uh, I needed sixty some units of blood in the first two days. So so another important reason uh, to donate blood, I guess, right? Absolutely, you, yeah. Um, I've got a lot of people to thank. Yeah, um, for that for sure. Does that just go yeah. through your head at all? Like, all oh, must go through your head all the time. Just, um, like, a little like, bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've certainly had a few moments to sit and ponder mm-hmm. it all. And, uh, yeah, there's moments it feels real. There's moments it doesn't yeah. like thinking that, yeah, you, you know, spilled out 60 units of blood uh, is pretty surreal, <laughs> but you're doing a full-time job raising four kids. So, uh, yeah, that's my, that's my number one gig. Yeah. And that's pretty, pretty rewarding. I think you should be paid double what you were making at your other job <laughs> for that. Yeah. Thank, thankfully I had some good insurance. So yeah, money's not an issue. But, well, I'm, I'm glad to hear you, and I'm glad to see you like five years ago too. And, yeah. Um, is there one song that takes you back to Diefenbaker uh, that we can add to the Spotify playlist? Oh boy, um, I should have looked what was on there already. One song. One song or one artist? And um, I listened to a lot of U2 back in high school. <laughs> I love it. Okay, what, is, <laughs> is there one song from U2? Um, what was? around that era that was the pop album around that year right oh no so, no uh, pop came out in 97 which was which no, is my you're right. which right. is my favorite album of u2 of all time and that's yeah. that's how because u2 is like my favorite band of i all should time. know that i was i was at that concert in Edmonton yes that's where i fell in love with them like was yeah. that pop mart tour um yeah. but i remember during high school like i hated lemon with a passion. Oh, like, okay. Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah, yeah. why, but then Octune Baby, I, I, I enjoyed, but I didn't really, yeah, that, you know. Yeah, I was so was ra- I was so wrapped up in like Boys to Men and all that stuff, but but then yeah, those, those yeah. guys are good too. But you know what? Like, let's uh, if you want to throw something from uh, Octune Baby or Zuropa, which one do you want? Um, the uh, something off Octune Baby, probably. Octune Baby, okay. Mysterious ways on there yet? Nice. Okay. <laughs>
listen to my brother's like Brattle and Hums cassette. Yeah. But but it was like you said, that show in Edmonton in ninety seven. Yeah. That's where I was just like I appreciated you two as a live act and they just that blew was it like June fourteenth or something. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can actually search for that on YouTube. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they actually released like off of their one of their CD singles was uh was the with or without you from uh from that concert that we went to. Yeah, that's right. I have that album actually, that uh, EP. Yeah, that EP and God, yeah. I love how you brought you two up. Because <laughs> <laughs> you two, they cannot go wrong. No, no. And I will fight anybody that thinks that they, you know, <laughs> that says otherwise, but uh <laughs> Oh, that's yeah, I've seen them a few times since then too. Actually, I've gone oh, yeah. out to Vancouver for a few concerts. The only way to appreciate YouTube is to see them live. Yeah, and, it's and, a whole different yeah, experience. It's a whole different experience for sure, and you'll win them over. So, uh, yeah. I saw that you posted a picture of was it who who are the four in the picture here? Oh, that's uh, that's me. That's Bo, yeah. uh, Tim Van Staden, and Jeff Hallett. Wow! At the uh, Jubilee yeah, Auditorium the there. Yeah. That was grad night, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay, we'll connect with Bo. What about the other two? What, have you talked to Tim? Um, I have talked to Tim a little bit. Um, uh, Bo's actually talked to him a bit more. We were actually going to try and get him to join here tonight, but I never got a hold of him. Um, he's living, last I heard, I'm, I'm, I'm certain he's still there, uh, just outside of Lloydminster okay. uh, on the Alberta side. Right. And he's either working as a, an electrician or teaching at Lakeland College in, uh, again, um, you know, the electrician stream yeah. there. Um, and then Jeff, I lost contact with, uh, boy, probably early 2000s. Yeah. Um, I met his wife once, um, but she wasn't from Calgary. She was from Salt Lake City. And he had been a bus driver um, and then a C-train driver here in Calgary no with Calgary Transit. <laughs> and then he moved down to Salt Lake City with her to where her family was. And I think he was still going to be a driver for either their LRT system or, or whatnot, or, or maybe back in a bus or something. But I have not, I've not spoken to him since then. Does that suck Um, though? Like if you're not on Facebook, then you don't exist, which is weird. So true. I know it's so sad too, because I bet you there's a lot of people that choose not to be on social media, which is fine. Yeah, and I don't blame them at all. But then all of a sudden, you can't even get a hold of them at all. I know that's that's why I keep my Facebook. I I hate some of the politics around it and yeah. things like that, and the <laughs> the uh, the lack of privacy that I I'm sure we all serve up for free. Wow. Um, but yeah, I I, I keep it because there's there's too many too many good sides of it too. You and Bo are the only ones like smiling like with your pearly whites and just like yes, we graduated. <laughs> but even though we still had exams to write. And oh write. yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exams and then on to the next step. Yep. That's fantastic. Okay, um, can you uh, dial up Bo then? I uh, sure can. can. Yeah, I've got his number right here. And you talk to him on a regular basis? Um, you know, we are we are constantly sending each other little memes and that on Facebook <laughs> Messenger. But I I swear the last time he and I actually went out for a beer or something was like five years ago. Oh, okay. Um, but we talk probably two or three times a week yeah. just through text, just the way things work. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, let me just add a call here and let's see if I can get him. Where? Bo? Uh, Hi there. Hey. <laughs> Did we wake you up? No, I'm good. Oh, you're I'm, good. I'm waiting. Been I, patiently waiting. Patiently waiting. How are things? Uh, well, life is life, and uh, just work is work. Family's family. Lots of things going on. 
catch us up. Twenty five years. What have you been up to? <laughs> uh, well, I've been moved around a few times back in Calgary for a good solid. What is it now? Thirteen years. Um, Fifteen years and change in uh, with the the RCMP. So I've been uh, kind of busy with work and whatnot there. So. Holy God. So what do you do with for, with the RCMP? So right now I work with uh, what's part of our call management strategy. So I'm okay. part of that what's called a callback unit. Yeah. Uh, so we deal with a lot of our uh, less urgent uh, priority calls in terms of like the actual response, but we deal with a lot of frauds and uh, that kind of stuff as well. So. And there's a lot of fraud. Right now with COVID, yeah, there's a lot of fraud. Oh, there's a lot more fraud than before. It's definitely yeah. There's uh there's it there's people are unfortunately in a bad state and uh yeah there's there's definitely more than usual um so i wonder how many people are taking advantage of the serb and not you know you know what i don't think um as many as people would think um but i think there's definitely been some weird stuff uh going on like you'll if you if you go on to the Canadian anti-fraud center you can kind of see some tea leaves as to what's going on there i don't want to go into too many details but for sure there's um there's things like where uh, people have had it applied for on their behalf and uh, had their accounts messed with. But they'll, they'll catch up to you though once you do your taxes and all that stuff, right? Or... Yeah. So if you if you because um, I've got family that works for for the other agency involved in that. So yeah. yeah so how it's going to work? My understanding is your T fours. I believe are going to have monthly income next year for the next year. So mm-hmm. if you just shouldn't have got it or you asked for it and you shouldn't have, you're going to pay. If you applied fraudulently, their investigations unit might refer a file to, to poli- either to us or to local police. But, wow. yeah, stuff's going to happen. And But it's one of those things where it's, you know, from a response perspective, people, I don't, I don't think we need to be running running around with chickens with their head cuts, cut off. There's going to be a, there's going to be a paper trail with that. We're going to know, what, you know, in terms of whether it's us or another agency where the money went. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, did you uh, did you yeah. always think that you were going to get into the RCMP? Bo, no, or? actually, no. I, I honestly, my my dad, I don't know if you know this, my dad was in was in. Um, yeah. So that's how, that's why we moved to Calgary in the first place. So, yeah, I don't know if you ever noticed me getting dropped off in a cruiser before when we were in school, but that did happen on occasion. <laughs> uh, mostly in high school, they were unmarked, but uh, definitely in junior high, they were marked. Um, were you asked so many questions? Like, what happened? Did you, were you in trouble? Couple, or no? so I, uh, at Colonel Irvin, a couple of people did ask. Um, it was and, a it, crowd Vic, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, it was uh, the old, and it was the old blue and white. Yeah. So I remember, I remember one, or two, one or two times there. Yeah. So, and, uh, and but, yeah, so my dad was at the, at the, when we first moved, my dad was so, Prior to 97, we had an airport detachment out of Calgary. And that's where he was a watch commander there. And then he went to major crime and GIS after that. So they played body tag with the city police, basically, when he was on that team. So it's basically if bad guys uh, did something to somebody and left them outside the city, it was their their football. Did you... um, But usually that's the case. Once a parent in the RCMP, uh, eventually the child will follow. it's common, not yeah. always. Um, a lot of, we actually have a lot of married couples that I've worked with, like especially when I've, I've worked on a bunch of different units, and uh, we've got a lot of married couples in the outfit. Um, so that's there's a lot of that now. So there's some second generation where one of the one of the other is has a parent or like an older brother or older sister in there. But yeah, it's definitely there's a family element to that. Um, it's been it's been an interesting 15 years so far. So I'm 15 and change. 16 if you count because senior or for seniority and, and retirement, your training period doesn't count for us. So, 
So you'll be retired after that then, right? Pretty soon? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> okay. Technically, you got to do 25. You can kind of go early at 20. So we'll see where I'm at. Um, I've got I've got my own kind of sort okay. of tune I want to drum to there on that. And how was Depot at, uh, in Regina? Was it fun? Uh it was it was interesting. Yeah. Definitely, there's a there's a culture shock if you if you if you if you don't know the culture, um, and definitely it's living there, being on site, being away from your family. That's hard. You know, six months. I mean, I, some people might have you know might have gone through an academy, and, you know, and lived at home. It's a totally different process when you're not at home, mm. and you're with a group, and you're living in a barracks. So now they've changed some of the barracks. So there's smaller numbers in there, but I was in a 32 32 man room. So 32, 32 male training on, on our in our room, and then there would be different barracks on each floor, and then the floor below us was was uh, the ladies. Yeah. So and are you allowed pretty... to interact with each other, or is that just like off? Like, what if you um, fall in love with one of the ladies in the depot, and then what? Uh, you know what? There, there. That that is a thing. And uh, again, um, <laughs> don't want to get yeah. into details. Okay. That's yeah, fine. like that. Uh, let's just say some marriages ended, some marriages started. Oh. Okay. <laughs> It kind of uh, sounds like the NHL here, like what they're going to go through. In the, a little in the... bit of that, yeah. <laughs> like there's, technically, there's supposed to be there's no supposed to be none of that while you're at the facility. But you know, there would be people that would book hotels off off site on the weekends when you were allowed to leave for the night. Uh, okay. Some unofficial square dancing. Eh? Yeah, unofficial square dancing. Yeah, so I was I was pretty. I had my own kind of sort of thing there. I didn't really go out much while I was there. I some of the guys would. Uh, we'd hit the actually we'd hit the WHL games a fair bit there, nice. so we get free, free tickets. Yeah, I saw a few of those. Um, not a huge hockey fan, but you know what? When it's free and there's nothing else to do and it's decent hockey, sure I'll go. You know, it's yeah. uh, it's a hotel room. Totally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you get some, uh, you know, get some camaraderie with with the, with the team and and whatnot there with your with your troop mates and whatnot. So yeah. yeah, we were there at a very busy time. There was probably about a thousand recruits. Um, going through at various stages when I was there. It must be so awesome, though, to see your red surge and just, that must be a proud moment, too, to get your badge um, on the lots of hey? Definitely, like, I mean, it's a, the, the sheen's a little, and the and, and that's worn off a little bit, you know, uh-huh. down the line, but definitely putting it on uh, here and there, you, you know, it kind of reminds you what, what the history is there, for sure. Like, yeah. that's, you know, and I, it definitely don't get to wear it, wear it as much as I, I did my earlier in my service, but, uh, yeah, it's yeah. definitely... The, the history is there for sure. And yeah. just remind, sometimes you look in the mirror and it's like, I, I, I have pictures from growing up when I had, I was had it on and, you know, like the sleeves would be halfway down my arm and I, I, it wouldn't fit. And <laughs> it, it was just like, the, it, it's like, the, it's like when you, when you'd go to a museum as a kid and you try on the clothes, well, that was my dad's closet. Uh, let's talk about your guys' friendship here. Yeah. So yeah. like you're kind of a trio ish kind of thing. I don't know what, uh, I haven't talked to Tim much, but Greg and I have been lately have been, you know, c- catching up, sending memes to each other and all that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> now, does this go back to junior high then, or does this go back before that? Yeah, or... I think we knew each other from about grade seven on. Um, yeah. Band. I, uh, yeah, band and and just various classes. What what instruments uh, did you guys play in band? So you were part of the Diefenbaker band too. Yeah, we were both uh, right through to grade twelve, I think. Nice. Uh, I no, I quit. I quit in grade twelve. Um, oh, did you? Okay. So I, yeah, I did. I did all the way up to eleven, and then I just it was too like the the time commitment. Yeah. Was too much, and I had a I had a talk with the with the teacher, and I was like, I can't do this anymore. I, 
I know the lot. The, yeah, it was just like it was either I do the class and I don't do the extracurricular concert band yeah. and just shut the class, or I just quit. And that, how, how much commitment did you have to do? Like, because I wasn't in band, so tell me about this. Like, what, what, it was pretty time heavy. Um, we were both woodwinds. So I, I was uh, clarinet, and Mo was saxophone in junior high. Oh, that's and then crazy. I switched over to saxophone too in high school. So we were both kind of in the same section, so on the same practice schedule for whatever. But it was it was like two hours before school um, a week, um, like Monday and Thursday or something like that. There were, yeah, and there was a lunch. And I, and I had I struggled with being able to make it before school on Mondays for sure. Yeah, we pretty much gave I up our lunches commitment. every day, Jeez. Uh, more or less. It seems like saxophone's an easy instrument to play. It's not. <laughs> no, it's not. It's um, definitely one of the hardest ones, right? Once you get the hang of it, it's not bad. Oh, okay. Um, you know, the fingering's comfortable, and there's nothing weird about it. Um, you know, that it's, uh, you know, it's kind of play by numbers. Can you play Careless Whisper from Wham? Um, I might have been able to back in those days. I have not picked it up probably in, oh, at least 18 years. You don't think you can pick it up right now and play? Oh, I've got one, but but no. No, that's a hard no. How about you, Bo? (laughs) Uh, That'd be even harder no. I actually had one laying around the house through university. Because what happened was uh, most of the kids had to rent. Uh, We owned our own uh, because the school we went to, my sister and I went to, because she was always far enough ahead that she was never in school with me. And so I inherited the, so she stuck with the clarinet when we moved to Calgary and cause she played with clarinet and saxophone when, before we came to Calgary. And so I got the saxophone. She kept the clarinet and uh, my mom sold it when I was in university. Oh, so. <laughs> I'm going to make some money off of this clarinet. Yeah. No, I've still got mine. My daughter actually played it in jazz band um, in grade seven um, a year and a bit ago. Um, for a semester. Do you think it's cooler now to be in band than it was before in when we were in high school, or was it always? Just um, I think in her school, at least, um, it was more popular. They had almost a hundred kids in their band wow. in junior high. How many did we have? We, whoa, what was I ours? can't even remember. Yeah. High school was what? about sixty people over the three. Yeah, grades. that's that sounds about right. Yeah, because because yeah. we only had one class per grade, and yeah, it was it was not a big classroom. It was. Yeah, it was max twenty. Were you guys competing against other schools then, or were you just our band? Uh, we did. We did when we went on those uh, uh, band tours. There was a festival in Hawaii that we did twice, grade ten and grade twelve. You went there. to Hawaii twice. Yeah, you did. Yeah. He did. I, I, I see that, and that's where the conflict kind of laid. Right, I had so many other things on the go, primarily sports, and yeah. I traveled a lot with sports, and yeah. Yeah, when I say sports. I, I mean swimming. Oh yeah, let's talk about your swimming because you were and you were the Michael Phelps of our class, basically, right? Where you were the swimmer. Obviously, Bo knows swimming. Well, yeah, every, I, was, I don't know if I was Michael Phelps, but I, <laughs> I definitely took it pretty seriously. Still do, actually. Oh, so, you do? Yeah, it's yeah. How was our team, by the way, at Dayton Baker? Well, like so, yeah. So, like, basically, what it, how it worked. So, like, you had the school team. Right, and that was like we ran a couple days a week from about I want to say somewhere in January till March. They've actually the season's completely different now, right? The uh, the high school kids they have their meets in December these days, although this year is probably not going to be. But uh, 
Um, and how it worked is there would be sort of three kind of categories there. So basically there would be, are you, do you currently train with a club? Did you used to train with a club and or a water polo player or a synchro swimmer? They kind of got those people got grouped together and then newbies, novices, never done it before. So like my involvement with the school team was actually more as like a mentor and a, and a little bit of coaching with those kids. So I helped a couple of the years there um, on the deck and then would, then it would obviously showed up and race because there's only one meet. Yeah. It's like track yeah. and field. There's just the one day. That's the one day. Yeah. There's just one, there was a competition wise. There was just one day. There was no dual meets like you'd see in U S high school swimming or college swimming. Um, so yeah, like I helped a lot of our, our kids, like, like a lot of these kids didn't even know how to do a start, uh, things like that. And God, Thornhill pool, shallow and yeah, those crappy cool. blocks. I, I remember it because they were the same blocks my club team had. Um, the year I was in grade 10. Yeah, it's almost dangerous to do a proper start there. Yeah, like well, it's not even legal anymore. Like oh, there's not. like you can't even you can't even dive off the blocks into those city pools like the foothills, the thornhills, all those little ones. Like the they're all basically built on the same footprint, varying ages. But yeah, because my son is a swimmer and uh, they stopped allowing diving at foothills about a year and a half ago. Uh, I remember we did the last meet. I did a master's meet there, and we were allowed to dive, but we had actually had to sign a waiver that we wouldn't sue if we broke our skull or oh, broke our God. neck. So, so why, why why was it allowed back then, but now it's not? Is it just because kids are grown up? There's a lot, there's a, there was actually a big lawsuit. So, like everything in in life, so there's something happens, yeah. and there's a lawsuit, and the rules change. And to be honest, like they should have always been. Like there was a grandfather thing for old pools that was allowed. And they got rid of the grandfathering is what happened. So like places like that. Yeah, it used to be cheaper, exactly. No, like I I remember before I moved to Calgary, smashing my head on the bottom of the pool and like those old flat top starting blocks we had back in the day. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a totally different. Like the sports evolved a lot. Um, Safety-wise, training-wise, you know, like kind of doing more with less, more technique. About eight or nine, I think nine times a week. Um, and that's, that's where the conflict with band came in. Mm-hmm. Like, I just couldn't do it. Like I could not like, Greg, were you, were you, were you in the physics with Mr. Cunningham with me in grade 11 when I took yeah. physics? Mr. Cunningham, yeah. Yeah. Like yep. the one that I, the, the class that I slept through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I literally like every day I slept in that class cause it was after morning practice and I could not stay awake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember like, I remember Rick, you were talking about the walkout. Yes. Yeah. And oh, everyone yeah, walked yeah. out and all that. I went home and went to bed. <laughs> I was like, that was my, the, I can't even, I can barely remember that semester. Yeah. Did, I would, I went from like one, one sort of level, you know, and then to another. And like, I was little, like the, so the training group I was in at the time was about 70% varsity kids. Geez. I said kids, like all of me. Right. So I'm, 16 years old and I'm in there with 20 year olds and I'm getting my butt handed to me daily and I'm trying to prove it to them that I can, I can hang. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah Mr. that was, Mr. Cunningham definitely took pity on you there. I, I know. I was like, and we, was, uh, we knew not to wake you. Did he ever catch you sleeping or no? Or did you oh, just, no, oh, yeah. it, was, it was, it was just, yeah, it was just like, let's just leave Bo alone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was a tough class. Well, the I think the only thing that way I got like those workbook textbooks that were that they had in there because he wrote them, which yes. I was fantastic, right? Yeah, those blue paperbacks. Yep. Yeah. So 
I mean, he. I, I'm, I think he was part of the group that made those edge exam guides too. Yes, he was. Yeah. He was. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So like that, I like I. My hats off to the man. Like, you know, between the, him and the 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 guys at Renard Center, there. That's how I got into university, man. I felt like I, he was smarter than he was supposed to be in high school. Like he oh, taught yeah. like a university yeah. professor. Definitely. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I, I, I passed that course on the book alone. Like I think I got a seventy something, and that was because I read the book. What's the uh, What's the trick on being a good swimmer? Because I don't know how to swim. I still don't know. How to um, float. <laughs> body position, balance, body feel. Position. Any like if you if you look at like running or like even any other sport, they talk about posture and like body alignment. Same thing, but you're in a horizontal plane, and it's a lot. It's not counterintuitive, or sorry, it's very counterintuitive. It's not natural yeah. to be like. There's a lot of things you have to do that are unnatural, yeah. and you have to resist. It feels wrong till it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah and you have to re- you have to resist the abil- or the um, the urge to do what feels right uh, half the time. Because what feels right and what you your body feels is act, is happening is not what's happening. So you actually have to rewire your brain a lot. So like when people some uh, backstroke, for example, like when I, I remember uh, being at about 14, 15 years old and, and more senior swimmer who had ended up being a coach who I'd known since I was about 10 had told me like, you know, like, hey, you're crossing over this way. And you're, hand, you're basically when your arm is going over your body, you know, your hand, your hand is entering you know, across your head, basically. So it's too far inward. Uh, you need to be wider. So what, what you ha- what I learned and what I've, and I've caught, I haven't coached much, but a little bit here and there. And what I always like to impart is like, you need to, you know, feel like you're about three times as wide as you actually are. And once you kind of do that, you'll actually figure out where you're, where you are. So it's like the landmarks are just totally wrong uh, and what you think they are. It sucks that the Tokyo Summer Olympics are going on too, because that's yeah, I, I was really looking forward to that. I was yeah. really looking forward to to seeing a lot of like I, I'm the other side too is I'm I'm also involved in a, a couple of other things too, like triathlon and that. So I've done that, you know, pretty serious as well since the end of university and wow. missing missing some of that. Definitely not mm. being in a not being in the water um, for four months was weird. Uh, only once in my entire life have I been out for that long, and that was of an injury. And you know, yeah. And now you're back in the water. Just uh, the last couple weeks, wow, and a little bit of open water at, at Arbor Lake. Uh, I have friends that have uh, access there that kind of kindly invited us yeah. in, and then uh, city pools for about a week, and then back at my regular pool for since Monday. I heard I heard that chlorine kills COVID, so that they should open that thing. It's basically bleach. It's bleach, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, hey, Greg, were you uh, part of any extracurricular stuff other than band? At or um, band was pretty all involving. Yeah. Um, oh, it sounds like it. That's, uh, yeah, not not much outside of that. And did you fall asleep in any classes? Like, <laughs> not until university. Oh, that, yeah, university was my <laughs> nap time. Yeah, I discovered that I, eight o'clock classes were my nemesis. So I, I actually, uh, eight o'clock was not bad for me. It was the nine or ten o'clock that I couldn't stand. Oh, yeah. I found I found like the eight o'clocks were like if I if I could get myself out of practice, because it was so much more like you know like I know a lot of people say you know high school is great. I for me university was was kind of like one of those best times of your life. Like, I mean, there's different parts of your life that are sort of the best time for different reasons, but definitely for like certain things, that was definitely one of the best parts of my life. And 
that part at eight o'clock, that was that was good to go. It was like the, the hour after that, not so much. I was tired. Yeah. <laughs> once I once I had some class picking seniority, yeah. second year, third year, fourth year, I was uh, I was smart enough to not to start before nine thirty. So, Greg, did you did you enjoy university more so than high school or vice versa? Um, no, I think they're both pretty good experiences, actually. Yeah. Um, I think in a lot of ways, um, after high school, I went to Mount Royal for three years, actually, um, and did my uh, BCom transfer uh, classes there, so all my kind of first year, second year. That's um, a better transition to university, I thought. It was an easy transition for sure. It it was like it was just like going to grade thirteen and fourteen, yeah. uh, you know, as if those existed. Um, but at the same time, uh, being that it was kind of far away, I was still living up in Huntington Hills, and so I didn't spend a lot of time at the college if I wasn't in class, mm. and so I really didn't make as many new friends at Mount Royal as I did in high school. Yeah. Um, that changed in uh, sort of my official third and fourth year, oh, fourth and fifth chronically, but yeah. or chronologically, but um, um, I had a ton of really good friends at the UFC. Um, so I, I would say that, that actually my time at DEF and the time at the UFC were probably most similar. Uh, the time at Mount Royal was, was great academically, um, but um, I didn't take enough time to meet a lot of people mm. back in those days. So the people I did projects with, and that was good, but that was that was kind of it for a social circle. Did the both of you enjoy your time at Deef? Oh, yeah, it was good. It was good? How about you both? I, uh, I, you know, it was definitely, like, I did not, I'm going to be honest, like, a junior high was hell for me, and huh. Deef was a lot better. Like, it was, like, 180 degrees better. You know, like, I, I was I was junior high, I was a new kid two years in a row, moved to New City, I was supposed to go to the same elementary as most of the kids that we in our stream. It was full; they wouldn't let us in. I had to go to a different one. Then I went to Colonel Irvin, so that was like that was rough, you know. Yeah. You, you know, came from really small, really small town. Uh, didn't know anybody. That's so that tradition. part was, yeah, that was really hard on me, and just didn't just didn't know how to dress, didn't know how to do a lot of things, and it was, you know. It was a rough time for me, and then I just had like, and I think I think if I didn't have something else in my life, I think I would I would have had a really hard time mentally. But just focused on my other the other side of my life, and I think that's kind of what carried me through. And you know, a couple of good, really solid good friends like Tim, Greg, and a few other guys that uh, we kind of carried carried through with and uh, whatnot. There, and I think that's kind of you had that little just that little bit of mental mo- energy, forward momentum, and you just kept going. Yeah, there was, there was a lot of good people at Deep. I think that's one of the yeah. things that I remember most is just um, even the people that you weren't close with, they were still good people generally. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. There was a lot of like, there was a lot more, I think it wasn't like a pure, like it wasn't like a Churchill pure academic, but I mean, it was like, there was definitely, it wasn't, um, I don't know how to put it, but like, you know, most people were there and just, they had, they had their, um, their sort of social circle they had their you know sort of goals or non-goals in some cases but you know they didn't really um nobody for me nobody went out of their way to to, to try to make my life hard yeah. and things like that and that and like coming out of the other experience where people went out of their way to make their make my life hard um that was refresh like to be honest like it's a, it's refreshing it's like hey you know, this person's leaving is, is now disinterested or they've moved on or whatever, right? So hmm. that's good to know, though, that our class was pretty inviting more so than 
others. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's just, I think part of that too was like, I mean, because was it, what was it about 60, 40 that, that kind of carried over there? And it was thereabouts. I can't remember, but it was, it seemed like from urban 60, to. Yeah. It to seemed deep. like. Yeah, yeah. I think I think about forty percent went to uh, Fowler or, or uh, Crescent Heights yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because it was like because so. it was a, it was that weird. We had that weird busing thing going on there, which does, yeah. apparently doesn't happen today. So I I know some people that um, teach in that area, and so we would have all like we would never have gone to Colonel Irvin back if it was today. Yeah, where, where would we have gone? We would if you would have been in Beddington, you'd have gone to Sir, Sir John. Oh, Sir John. Oh, wow. So they changed yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah in fact, the boundaries. Yeah, I was in Huntington Hills, and if I had lived one street further east, I would have been at Sir John A. McDonald too. Why is that the case? Is it because there's more schools to choose from, or is there? Um... I think they just uh, they just sort of capacity districts and yeah. cut them in half to to sort of have roughly the number of people. Yeah, that there's they a wanted. few there's a few new buildings. There's some capacity things, some specialized programs at Colonel Irvin now. They have a specialized program there, so that's part of the thing. Yeah. Um so it's not a tradition it's they've got what's called I think my friend's kids were in there and they're it's called T L C traditional learning. I'm not sure if it's still at that building or not or if they moved it. But the um, uh, yeah, yeah it came was, in a while after. My mom actually taught at Colonel Irvin for about eight years um after we were all through there. Yeah. Um, she she became the foods teacher after uh, Miss Stewart left. And have you walked? Uh, have you been back since? Oh yeah, I've, I've visited her a few times when she was there. And does it, uh, Irvin? Doesn't all schools have that smell when you walk in? It's just it's just yeah, it's yeah, smell yeah. So yeah, I actually got to, like the one thing I did get to go to there. So so like a lot of a lot of us did like don't even realize who Colonel Irvin was, right? So so historically. Um, off, like so, commissioned officers in the uh, what was then Northwest Mounted Police, uh, they'd have an army rank and a police rank. So usually the commissioner would be a colonel. So that he was actually commissioner of the Northwest Mounted Police. Oh. So when the school turned 50, I was actually there with our media li- liaison, this guy uh, Sergeant Webb. He's now retired, but yeah, we went there. And so when we were there, apparently there was a Centennial rifle framed on the wall. <laughs> So like the the force had given a rifle to the school, which was on dis- <laughs> apparently was on display while we went to school there. Was it in the I office? Can't, or I can't remember. I can't remember. I, I think it might have been in the office, but I yeah. I can't I remember, remember if the firing the pin was in. <laughs> I can't remember if the firing pin was in or out. But the yeah, it's now at the building I work in, somewhere in storage. But uh, oh nice. Um, oh, it's still not on display. <laughs> That'd be nice. No, it actually <laughs> it actually got sent down to it. It got sent. So when we were right after we would have left beef around ninety seven, I'm, I'm told, yeah. it actually made its way downtown, and CBE has a vault down there, and it went into the vault, <laughs> and it sat in the vault from ninety seven, I think, till whatever twenty, I think two thousand seven, maybe yeah. two thousand eight, whatever the fiftieth anniversary would have been yeah. when it opened. Did you see my mom at that? Oh. I I believe I did. I yeah, she was there yeah. through that time period. Yeah, I, I I saw a lot of the old te- the old teachers there. Yeah, there was tons of people we had that were still that were still there. Stuffed. Yeah, no way. Yeah, some were still there. Some had retired for sure. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I wonder if that's the case at Diefenbaker. No, I doubt that. Right. I, I um, yeah. I looked at the staff when we were there um, in the 2015, and there wasn't many of the same. I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, I know. I actually know the principal now. Oh, you do. So his, yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So he's. Uh, so I know I've known I've known Mike since about 2014. So yeah, 
Oh, he's the same principal than when we did our 20, 20th yeah. anniversary. Yeah. So Mike, Mike Bester. Yeah. He's to my knowledge, he's still there. I, I, I saw him yeah. just before the whole COVID thing started. So yeah, like oh, okay. he's involved, he's involved in, in the swimming communities as well. So oh, that's, that's where I know him from. Okay. And so, yeah, he's, uh, for our time at Diefenbaker, we knew who John G. Diefenbaker was, or did we? Were we taught that Diefenbaker was the prime minister? <laughs> yeah, you know, there was a big plaque on the wall, a big dedication there. But yeah, yeah right in the office. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I mean, yeah. yeah. So he was, yeah, like, and just like the brutalist architecture of that place with those tiny windows, man. Like yeah. that. Just, <laughs> Without that wall expansion. I never understood why they built it with two, two completely like I get that they didn't want brutalist but like come on like <laughs> like some light but just like make maybe like it's just some darker stone <laughs> <laughs> but can you imagine going there now I heard that the the population of that school is way more than what we had to do it's, it's with much higher it's yeah, way much higher yeah. yeah yeah and honestly like I wouldn't be surprised if um Depending on how things go, I mean, they, I guess they could build a new junior high up the road and just turn Sir John into an annex building for it, really. Oh, and connect the two. Oh. You, I don't even. You, you wouldn't need to connect them to start, but just like, yeah. in the long term, you would. Oh wow! You know, that's just crazy. And going back to that twentieth twentieth uh, reunion, Greg, you won something, right? You won one of the prizes. That I did. You yeah, I won the uh, the. Uh, um, <laughs> you I don't even know what to call it, but uh, yeah, who's who. The thing, but what did you win? Yeah. Uh, a trophy. A trophy. <laughs> you still have that trophy? Is that? I do. Yeah, it's still sitting on uh, on our little uh, china cabinet shelf there. Your yeah. prize possession. Yeah. <laughs> did you look at it every day? Awesome. <laughs> I haven't thought of it. I don't think too many times uh, between now and then. But, uh. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Hey, Bo, uh, we have to uh, add a um, a song on the Spotify playlist. So, what song? Okay. What artist would you like to All add? Right, so- yeah, there. I mean, definitely U2 was one of my things at the time, still is, but, like, definitely the thing that I think of the most, like, from, like, kind of around that. So um, it's going to be Violent Femmes, Blister in the Sun. Yeah, it's like it was one of those things that you just so, like when we were on trips and stuff. It just the team band, someone would the old cassette deck, right? Someone would have like a mixtape, and that was always was almost always the first song in everybody's mixtape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's just it's a, quite the story that uh, you Greg had and uh, you Bo had right after high school, and just twenty five years later, here we are, right? And yeah. What do you tell your kids about? Is there any lessons that you can? share with them when it comes to your experiences at DEEF and how to live life, I guess? <laughs> or is it just one of those things where you just have to go through the motions or not the motions, yeah. just go through take everything. The time. Um, don't take it too seriously, but yeah, but you know, seriously enough um, mm-hmm. at the same time, mm-hmm. I think at least with my kids, um, they're, they are 
the type that are kind of academically inclined, but uh, apt to stress themselves out if they're not like, getting perfect marks. And so we're um, blessed in a way that they're motivated, but also constantly having to reassure them that, you know, 85% on the math test is okay. We still love them. <laughs> well, come on. <laughs> 86, you love them better. Okay. What about you, Bo? I like that. I really like that. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I think just like, just to be, to try to be definitely like for, for my, for my, especially for my son to try to be like, he wants to be more well-rounded for sure. And like, just to keep, keep that there. And uh, I think that's something that I missed out on a little bit. Definitely being very, being very focused um, to a point where sometimes you lost sight of um, certain things. For sure. Um, yeah. And then just to be like, so my other child, she's 10, she's, she's got a disability. She's got cerebral palsy. So just to be kind to people mm. and, and yeah, like that's the biggest thing like today in this, this day and age is to be kind and to have some empathy for, for those who may not be able to um, express themselves for sure. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah, that's good advice too. Also, everybody's, uh, everybody's, uh, Got uh, issues you know about and those that you don't and and uh, absolutely yeah and like that's the thing is like I can there's like I can say that there's been times where you can tell that people have you know you can really you feel it inside when you know that um, something's happening and uh, they're treating her different um, and you just it's it's an awful feeling and yeah like just trying to be kind to people around you and trying to be more understanding of things too. And like the other side of that too, is just, you know, trying to get a handle of what's, what's important and what's serious and what's not really as um, definitely um, I've definitely got a a different perspective now than I would have even five years ago or 10 years ago. Yeah. Are people more or less kind than they were back when we were growing up, especially with what you're dealing with, Bo? Um, uh, and you know, I think they're more aware. They're more aware. Um, yeah, definitely more aware. Um, you still get weird looks for sure. Uh, the staring is just like I know my my spouse doesn't. She doesn't like it. People will stare. Kids will stare. And um, you know, you know, it's and and sometimes I think it's the big thing is to is to have that conversation with your family and your children and to, you know. Some, and, and, and some of these kids are very young and they're asking, you know, what sometimes feels like, you know, it's not a, an appropriate question. You just have to just kind of like just f- figure out how you're going to handle that situation each each and every time because each one's unique. And some, and sometimes you, you can, you can just kind of, you know, if it's, a, if it's appropriate to ignore it, you just ignore it. And there's times where you just give them a nice polite answer and just kind of leave it at that. And, um, but definitely, I think, um, when it comes to some of the sort of social awareness these days, definitely, um, I think society is awakening and I think, uh, disability is definitely, uh, not on that radar right now, um, for sure. And I think that's something that, um, I think we're going to have a reckoning with probably in a couple of years for sure. Um, yeah, I experienced a bit of that actually after my, my accident for the first a uh, year roughly I was anytime I was out of the house I was using a walker and uh just because I was not steady on my feet initially um and then I kind of graduated after a point where I could use a shopping cart as kind of a sneaky walker yeah 
<laughs> um, so if I was at Safeway or, or at the mall, I always had a I always had a cart whether I needed one for actual shopping or not. Wow. Um, but yeah, you, you you do you get a lot of looks that that you wouldn't otherwise. Uh, Absolutely, yeah, like this, happening. Yeah, yeah. Like I was, there's been I don't know how many times I've been parking at a place and I've got the family with me, and you're pulling you're pulling in. You got your you've got your pass there, and people see you know pretty healthy looking you know guy who looks like he's probably in his late 30s early 40s getting out of the car wife looks about the same son looks you know 8 10 12 years old whatever it would have been right and yep. people give you a look especially older people to be honest like people of our parents generation will give you like this dirty look yeah and um yeah like there's been a couple times where people you can tell they're about to open their mouth and they see they see you unloading the tiniest wheelchair they've ever seen in their life out of the back of the van, yeah. and uh, yeah, Jeez. and then they just kind of like shirk away, like <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah, and then you get the people that uh, will park there in, inappropriately and don't understand. Like, in, it's not even it's in it, and it's a lot of times it's 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 not just the people who park in the handicap without the pass that that gets me, but what really gets me boiling is the person that parks beside you and parks over the line and makes it basically impossible to load a wheelchair. So you actually have to back the vehicle out so you can yeah. load your child in the car. Yeah. And that is just beyond for me a lot of days. And, you know, you just, you just kind of just breathe and you just, you just deal with it one thing at a time. Cause there's times where you're just like, are you, you gotta be kidding me. You know, like, yeah, it was, well, it was times like that. I appreciated the extra space at places like Costco. Yeah. I wish you could uh, throw in your badge and say, "Hey, I'm part of the RCMP. Yeah. You're under arrest." You know, I will. I would. There's there's days that I would love to do that, and I'm just that. Like, I'm not. It's just not appropriate, and <laughs> yes. it never really was. Yeah. And people did it. You know, like honestly, it's one of those things where, like, if you're gonna, if you are gonna take some sort of enforcement action, that's where you just, if you if you are, you make notes, you take pictures, and you deal with it. While you know, through another person. You don't do it yourself. No. I remember you told me about the truck that was left running at uh, Royal Oak there, Bo. Yeah. You told the guy. <laughs> yeah, I, and then no. sometimes it's it's and you don't even have to tell them you're a police officer. It's like you like people leave their vehicle like people leave their vehicles running all the time. Like that's the biggest source of auto theft. You name it now because like oh. you don't have the keys. You can't steal a car, yeah. right? It's not like back in our day where you could start with a screwdriver. Yeah. <laughs> well, you see it more so with like skip the dishes and the delivery drivers. They just oh, totally. run oh, yeah. in. They get there. They get. They get. I, I hear. I don't. I. I mean, I'm not on that side of the house right now, but definitely I hear stories about that where they're getting hit. Uh, people warming their cars up, and a lot of times it's like it's you got to be careful with that people. And it's just it's it's you know yeah these dead thieves out there sometimes, and it's a crime of opportunity and. You know, like leaving your like the the Royal Oak story. Like, are you trying to make it easy for these people? You know, yeah. you know, and like people have so many like there's so many problems in society. Addiction is so powerful, and like you leave a vehicle running when you've got a, these guys who they're trying to fuel their next their next fix and get high. Like, come on, they don't like they, when somebody's like that. They don't have that level of control that uh, most of us have. And you know, I part of me wants to you know say you know we, we need to help these people the same parts like just don't give them the opportunity you know yeah and like ounce of prevention is a is a, is a pound of cure in life isn't it crazy that uh things have changed since oh, knock it off before when did you get hurt uh-oh what was that 
That's the intercom here. <laughs> That's an intercom. Are you at a police station right now, Gray? Or <laughs> no, I'm just in the basement. <laughs> I'm in the I'm in the, I'm in the basement slash my my sort of uh, COVID home office. Here, yeah. <laughs> that oh, sounded our, serious. That was like oh our, uh, yeah. Our, our youngest two share a room, and I guess they're getting up to some nonsense. I love it. Then there's an intercom in the room where you can just say, "Hey, I see you." Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> like, Unfortunately, it broadcasts to the whole house. <laughs> awesome. And broadcasts on a podcast too, so that's great. <laughs> yeah, like I just, I, I mean, I just tell my 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 kid to knock it off or whatever. Yeah, the old fashioned way to like <laughs> computer. So, yeah, like <laughs> funny. My uh, so my daughter has a communication tablet, and so she actually when when school was still on, she actually I, I don't know if I sent this to you, Greg, but it was. Yeah, and I recorded it, and she wrote on her tablet, "My favorite year is 2021." Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So like, it's kind of like the juvenile voice, and it's my favorite year is 2021. And I was like, "Oh my god, I have to record this, <laughs> honey. Can you please, can you please tap it again so it plays?" <laughs> yeah. Just, just predicted the optimistic. future. <laughs> well, um, here's hoping that their favorite year is 2025 when we uh, do our 30th uh, reunion. How's you know, I, I hope I hope something yeah comes there. I mean, I like I remember going to the grad ceremony, but the actual grad, I mean, I went I was in Vancouver. I was at uh, Mel Zajac. See. Well, one of those things. Bo, you'll win a trophy. You'll win Greg's trophy. Then if you show up, and okay, sounds yeah. good. How was that? Too? Yeah, no, like that was definitely like that was a, that was an interesting year for, as far as like all the travel and all the stuff that I did, and yeah. you know, and I, I think, and I, I think Greg could probably attest that all, I would I would come back from these different trips, and I'd have a different. I was blowing all my parents' money on uh, whatever <laughs> yep. souvenirs or T-shirts or whatever. I had. I remember. I remember. I had this T-shirt that I picked up on one of my training camps, um, and it said "Safe Sex." And uh, I remember the VP wouldn't let me wear it. And told me to yeah, wear it inside out. Yeah, we come back from Phoenix, and um, I remember like getting told there. And then before I went to the bathroom, I remember Mr. Olson, band teacher. He's like. Like he, he looks over, makes sure there's no other adults. That's effing bullshit. <laughs> it's, it's just a shirt. <laughs> Great. Do you have a shirt like that? Uh, not that particular one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, it, and it was it was tongue, it was meant to be tongue in cheek, and just he's like, he's like, yeah. And and I think his point was that there was people that had like shirts with like you know f you and f that and whatever on there, and like they weren't being told to change it, and this had like a cheeky sort of like fun message on there so yeah. and yeah it was because i mean i, I was I, I i always like getting stuff like that when we were traveling because you always find these weird out, out of the way places in different yeah. places i think that was yeah that was this weird place in tempe that we went to that was uh, by the university there oh, so yeah wow. like we did yeah so we did a camp there and that's actually the so when michael phelps did his comeback that's the same pool that he trained in there you go but, see Gentlemen, thank you so much. Do yeah, thank you for having us. Yes, yeah, uh, glad, uh, glad you put this all together. It's been pretty, uh, pretty great to listen to them too. So. Oh, thank you. So yeah, much. I, have, I was caught up, but probably not now. Yeah, it's oh, just because I gotta like because I want to wrap this up before school begins again. And it's just it's just gonna be just that project. It's gonna be like only the summer, and that's yeah, it. I hear you. Yeah, and yes, just uh, and whoever, yeah, whoever I get a hold of, I get a hold of, and I'm not gonna bother people that. Some people have said yes, but then all of a sudden it's like no, and then some people have just said nothing. But whatever, if they don't want to do it, they don't want to do it. But if they, the people that do, it's it's fascinating. It's just my excuse of just getting in touch with people and just saying hi. 
Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, it's just... I remember I trying to I, I tried to reach out to you through email once years ago. I was in Victoria and I heard you on the radio when you were out there, and I tried to figure out what your email was. But the oh, station. Oh wow! I was like. I, I can't remember if I phoned them and they wouldn't give it to me. Or... <laughs> At my security yeah, well, guards. 2003, Rick. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, come on. I'm in the bridge now, but yeah. That's awesome. Like, I was out there for a race, and I was like, I gotta, I gotta talk to this guy. But yeah. Yeah, my, I love Victoria so much. That's such a beautiful city. So yeah, that's awesome yeah. that you were listening to me. Yeah, I, really I, was, I was, I was out there, and I got my, I got my ass handed to me by Simon Whitfield. So it was, it was, it was a good week. Yeah, I used to, uh, used to listen to you up in Edmonton fairly frequently. Oh yeah, my Sonic days too. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah, I know. I I definitely I I I had friends up there, and they 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 are, they know you. So you want my autograph now or later? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want a trophy now? Do you want a T-shirt though that says I know? I'll Rick. take a t- I'll, I'll, I will take a T-shirt. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I I got my wife telling me I I get awards at these these events. She's like, don't just give it back. Just give it back. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take those awards. I don't. I don't have enough awards. Um, <laughs> thanks, gentlemen. Appreciate it, and uh, yeah. keep true to the dreams of the youth. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers.